0: So to be like, oh, Bitcoin is a scam, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist based off of the white paper. So people may argue, hey, the community will come in and try to change it. But as far as we know, with the community and the white paper and the reliability of network, there will only be 21 million Bitcoin. And it's estimated that a million Bitcoin have been lost. So... Some people hate That's Bitcoin. at the low end.
1: I've, I've heard people say three million
0: or two. It, million. I mean, it could be. It could be that. I honestly, it's pretty crazy the stories I've heard. You guys know Bitcoin Pizza Day.
2: With the was that the story of the guy who tried to get a pie for like ten thousand Bitcoin or something like that?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> what happened exactly was the dude couldn't buy the Bitcoin directly from. I think Papa John's. It happened in Florida. Mm-hmm. So what happened was. was he went on, he went on a Bitcoin form and was like, Hey guys, I want to buy, uh, Bitcoin with my pizza, right? And <laughs> so someone was like, Okay, I'll, I'll buy, uh, you give me 10,000 Bitcoin. I'll buy you t- two pepperoni pizzas. I think it was some type of pizza is it, from Papa John's or whatever. So this dude from the UK used his credit card to buy this dude in Florida pizzas. So the guy in the UK got like 10,000 Bitcoin. In exchange for two pizzas on his credit card,
3: So I, I would say it's a pretty good trade. Now, Mark, did, did he
0: still hold them? Like, what happened to that? No, guy? I think he What's sold all of them. Oh, the, the UK guy. I don't. I don't think anyone knows where he is. I don't. I think there's a lot of. Here's the thing: like a lot of people that are like mega whales that aren't yeah. like huge hedge fund managers or like like e celebs on Twitter. Like a lot of them are very like dark web, like secretive people.
3: For sure.
1: So, Mark, I guess yeah, you can't really be out in the public.
3: Yep. I kind of want to bring the boomer perspective in this, just just to get this conversation going. You know. Sure. Do you think? I think the biggest. See, I'm I'm in Ethereum right now because I could kind of see the application. I'm not as knowledgeable as you are, of course, but I kind of get the idea. But do you think just the concept of scarcity is that enough to make something valuable? Like, there's a lot of things in life that are scarce. Like what?
2: No, not definitely. Like scarcity alone doesn't give something value. Like, like when you take a shit, like that's not like your shit isn't valuable, right? Like horrible analogy, but I think, I think it gets the
3: point. So in in that case, what does, what does Bitcoin provide on top of the scarcity aspect that makes it unique, I guess?
0: Let's talk about Henry Ford. I mean, Henry Ford, a hundred years ago, I think roughly said that there would be a currency based off of energy right and that's what bitcoin basically is you are basically using energy to maintain a network so that people can send their funds around the world okay so that's the value in that right and some people complain about how much energy bitcoin uses but i've heard there's a i forgot her name i think lin something let me see if i, find that
3: I think the difference though is bitcoin is a representation of energy used maybe henry ford was talking about actual energy that can be used so one is one's already a used case one is a potential use case like well no like transactions on the
1: bitcoin network also need proof of work to verify that block the transactions in that block so it is using energy
0: yeah like electricity but I, but I think uh, Lynn Alden, I think that's their name. They're like a, uh investor, and they, I think they also have an electrical engineering degree. They were talking about how people complain about the energy usage of Bitcoin, but some people actually like it because that means that the more energy it uses, the harder it is to attack the network, right? If you want to conduct a 51% attack, you're going to have to like burn a lot of the electricity to try to even come close to attacking Bitcoin. That's why some people are bullish on it.
2: And like... All right. So you know how if Bitcoin were to be adopted by like the entire world or by an entire nation of people, right? Not like in a government way, but it just like you have the 21 million Bitcoin and that's the currency for the entire planet. Um, like if the population keeps increasing and people have kids like do just future generations just have a smaller share of the pool or like uh or does it the currency just have to get more valuable over time or something
0: well i mean there's a satoshi so satoshis are basically fractions of a bitcoin it's kind of like how ethereum works like when ethereum is actually like one time sent to the 18 way i forgot how much a satoshi is worth so i don't <laughs> i i know like it with ethereum you have to use way a lot so that's why i know the exact number but like certain values, if I'm not using them for development, they're not easy to grab. Uh, let me see. 100 million Satoshis is one Bitcoin. I think that's what it is from what I can see uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, some people, again, look at it this way. I mean, Ethereum, some people talk about, I guess, like, going back to what I was saying, it was like going to like a store and trying to buy something with like some obscure currency. Like that's a problem, but if you build like DApps where only a certain currency is taken, you don't have to worry about the vendor taking your currency, and that's that's what that's what Ethereum basically is. It's like it like the product is self-contained within it; it has all the business logic and all the payouts embedded within the program that you write. As long as it's ERC twenty,
1: right? What's oh, sorry? As long as it's ERC
0: twenty. Well. That's if you want to tokenize something, right? You can have a ERC, I think, 721, and there's like another one that's like 1,000 something.
1: Let me look that up. Yeah, Next.
0: one one five
1: two, I th- uh, or something. Yeah, like I
0: that. think ERC, 1, 1. 5, I have an NFT that's
1: that type of token.
0: 5, 6. I think there's a 5, 5, yeah. I see a 5, 5 and a 5, 6. Have you
3: guys seen any like recommendations for how to construct a portfolio given that crypto is like this new... Asset class, like what's the percentage?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I was Uh, was talking about Bitwise earlier. Bitwise is like kind of like a good way to learn about the market structure. But I've I've
1: seen a lot of people talk about. There's like a common approach. You do like twenty percent Bitcoin, twenty percent ETH, or like twenty five of each. Maybe half of your portfolio is at maybe forty percent then you fill the rest with, well, not the rest, but you fill maybe like the next 30%. Uh, In stocks? No, no, no. The, I'm just talking about crypto. The next 30% would be like mid-cap, large-cap coins. Then you'd have like 5 to 10% small-cap coins, and then another 10% if that would be 100 um no because I did 40 plus 30 it would be 70 so that's 10 10 or yeah so then 10% in small caps and then 20% would be in just more dollars to buy on downtrends you know you want to if you believe in what the technology is and its application you would just be
3: dollar cost averaging
1: um tr- yeah just trying to accumulate as much as you can, as much of that token or coin or currency as you can. But I, yeah, I know Marcus uh, brought up that Bitwise had like ninety percent Ethan Bitcoin, but
0: it's more conservative. I would I would say if you uh,
1: if you if are you're managing confident. that much money, you don't need to worry about. You are worried about preservation and slight growth to beat out inflation. You are not worried at that point really about high level growth.
0: Yeah, I mean, if again, if someone bought Dogecoin in December and that was their whole portfolio, and they have like tens of thousands of dollars in there, they most likely beat that fund. Like, not in terms of like how much profit they have, but in terms of percentages, they most likely yeah. obliterated <laughs> that, that fund. So, if you again, not like whatever you do might not work for other people, so that's why you should be careful about what you suggest to other people because maybe there is a great project that you like, but maybe they're already pumped and maybe your friend might get the tail end of it and they might get screwed over that, I've seen that happen. Yeah, right? definitely. And like that, I, I think I've heard stories of that happening where people can't buy a certain, uh, like cryptocurrency and then they get access to it and then they film a win. But I've heard stories of that too. So it's, you have to be very, uh, aware of what you're doing and be aware of your emotional state when you do something and be aware of the, your cash to, like, this is so important. I actually started drawing a flow chart, not a flow chart, but like a pie chart of like my asset breakdown because the percentages themselves don't really do it justice. So I like to see like a, like a pie at the, the size gets so small for my cash. I'm like, okay, I'm like, <laughs> I'm too in. I got to like take a, take a break or like not look at the market for a few days or I fucking like, hate cash. cash I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I like, know, I I know, but like, Hey man, if, the, if Bitcoin falls like 70%, cash is your best friend. So it really, and it depends on the context of it. Yeah.
1: No, you're right. Uh, you should always have some, obviously for emergencies. You know, emergency fund. But then also, you want to have cash on you to buy the dip when.
3: I, th- I think cash in a savings account is dumb. I think cash on the sidelines, waiting for something, like actively waiting to buy some shit, is. I think that's potentially the move, especially if you get another dip, or if interest rates hike and, and the market cracks, as you know, attempting to do right now. Yeah, definitely. Brandon,
0: what about uh, Marcus from Goldman Sachs? I thought they had a good interest rate. <laughs>
3: do you have a good interest rate, in Mr. Marcus? <laughs> Marcus Lamonis.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I guess, do any of you guys want to... You got any last licks, last questions you have?
3: Yeah, Mark. I think we should give the audience your top three stock picks for the next 10 years. Uh- <laughs> You know, we had a, we had a, um, oh analyst come on to Zebra and he was just giving like his whole take. He like runs a, a hedge fund. He was talking about March, April next year. There's going to be some sort of crash happening because of the child tax credits, which is actually going to reduce the amount of money you get at the end of the year from, from the IRS. That's going to be a massive spending freeze next March, April.
0: I heard interest rates are going to be uh, going up as well. That's what I heard rumored around that time too. And it, it's tax season around that time yeah. too, right? So that I think, uh, I think some people talked about how, because in order to pay for your uh, taxes, some people have to sell a lot of stocks and that leads to more selling. So that's why the market tends to downtrend
3: during that. Time. I know you don't like individual stocks, but I feel like, for me, yeah, I'm actually kind of getting interest in Facebook just with the whole metaverse thing. I think that's yeah,
1: I've been I've been buying a yeah, lot of that's, meta- like the
3: only, really, that's the only I really that's the only thing I've been
0: buying. I, I have not, honestly. Dude, honestly, I I actually on LinkedIn I made a post about how I <laughs> was kind of ripping into Facebook about what happened recently. This is, this might be controversial. Like, Facebook is very centralized. Like, Facebook is not just Facebook; it's WhatsApp and Instagram, right? They had a blackout for a day. And all those sites were down for a full day. I don't think that's acceptable from like a fortune 500 company that shouldn't happen. Like, I don't care if there's like a bad press release or the whistleblower it shouldn't matter. That site should be up. Right. Like if Facebook was based on Ethereum, like I, I sound like a shill, but like, or whatever, like smart contract platform of, let me just wait for all I to come back on. Yeah. I we we're talking about Facebook and how, uh, I'm a little conflicted about it because they had, you remember the blackout that they had Facebook Facebook had a blackout. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I do remember that.
0: Instagram, uh, WhatsApp and Facebook, all three of them went down for a day because of whistleblower. I don't think that's acceptable. And I, I made a LinkedIn post about this, about how like all those sites were down for a full day and how it's not acceptable. And if, if those sites were based off of like, protocols like ipfs and Filecoin, or the data was stored on like ethereum or some other l1 that would not have happened those that you would have you would have still been able to access um all those sites because it would be decentralized but because facebook can hit a switch and be like oh we're going to just turn everything off i think that's very so
3: if, if they do implement yeah. that kind of structure right so it, it's based off some of the blockchain would that be more intriguing to you I still wouldn't
0: buy an individual company because I I would, I would rather buy the underlying asset. Like I would rather just buy Ethereum or Bitcoin than buy a company that's going to use it. Unless it's like, I know like I would only, this kind of goes back to, I guess like how I feel about the quarterly thing. Like, I don't know, like I'm giving someone Mm -hmm. money, right? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. when you're investing, giving someone money. And I feel like if a few quarters pass by and you're not like monitoring the financial statements, which could be cooked, you could be lied to then, your portfolio can get wrecked by that. So that's why I I don't feel comfortable really with individual stocks unless it's like a stock that I know very well, but that hasn't really happened yet. Like if the, if we hit a huge bear market, I will probably be more open to like stocks that are getting obliterated. Like I like to buy absolutely obliterated stocks or index funds. That's how I make my money consistently.
3: So you don't do any sort of like discounted cash flow models or at least view other YouTubers that, that present that kind of data? Well, here's a
0: really good example, and this is going to, if someone, so here's like a gap between finance and engineering, Mm -hmm. right? So IBM used to be, I think IBM is doing okay now, but like IBM was like at the peak, right? You guys remember how IBM was performing way better than like when- Yeah, like the 1980s,
3: I think they're like the biggest company in the world or something.
0: Yeah, but look at them now. I think what happened was that there was a new CEO and the CEO was not a technical person. He was a finance person. And he started outsourcing a bunch of stuff out, right? So you could, you could be great on like, Oh, hey, we cut our expenses. We cut down on our R and D. So our margins are bigger. But as a tech company, do you really want to cut on your R and D? No. You don't really want to do that unless, unless you are certain that the tech is never going to change. And then you're not even really a tech company. You're more of like a value company then. So that these are, these are very important things that people need to understand. That's why a lot of value investors like Intel, I don't want to touch Intel because I don't know what's going on with Intel. I mean, Intel might actually because I'll, I'll kind of go back a little bit in time like amd people used to laugh at amd right amd was worth yep. like two dollars years ago right it's like i think I so i bought some at 50 bucks and i sold it at 100 right so i made i made money on amd but i don't know like with these companies you you're like it's kind of like you're hoping that they're gonna especially these tech companies you don't know you don't know what they're gonna pull out right unless it's like Nvidia, Nvidia is really good. AMD is really good, but AMD and Intel are more competitive. AMD is like fighting kind of two wars on two fronts because they have CPUs and they have GPUs. Nvidia is more specialized on GPUs. Intel is more on CPUs.
3: I think that that was, that was a good point you brought up where the fastest way a tech company can commit like financial suicide is by putting a business leader ahead of an innovative company. And that's the issue, like, that's the exact issue Intel had up until they did a recent switch for, and they actually put an EE uh, as a CEO. He's trying to change things, but they're kind of fighting an uphill battle with AMD. Yeah,
0: like Lisa Su saved AMD. She's like a really incredible CEO. I mean, she, I think she's an MIT graduate and I think, uh, yeah, it, it really depends on the leadership of the company leadership is very important so like the leadership kind of falls off or someone's like kind of lying to you behind your back and that happens like look at Enron then you could lose a lot of money so it's why I'm very kind of skeptical of individual companies unless it's like a company that I know very well and I know their products very well and it's the right price so in terms you're,
1: of, you're, you try to mitigate risk as much as possible it seems is that true
0: yeah because like i mean it's smart i have tried i have tried momentum training and it it does not work for me (laughs) it does not like i'll try to like buy something while it like we get like a five percent pullback but like i tend to get wrecked when i do that like i don't panic sell like i'm someone who holds like very hard but like if i had just waited for like a better pullback i would have way more cash and i would be in a much lower uh uh value like a you know, what I'm talking about like, uh, yep. my cost basis would be lower if I had been more patient, as opposed to being like, "Oh, it's five it's down five percent; it's going to go to like this new level." Right? Meanwhile, if I had waited like another week, it's down twenty percent, right? Yep. You got to so wait for happened. confirmation
1: of a reversal. That's when you enter.
0: Yeah. You so know? it's um, yeah. that doesn't yeah, that doesn't really happen as often anymore. But again, like if you're able to hold like during that, it really shouldn't matter. Like the only thing that kind of like sucks about that is that you don't get to increase your, get your cost basis down at a cheaper level and have as much cash. Like you're trying, you're scrambling to buy when something is on a downturn, even though you had that cash, you just weren't patient enough. Right. I think Peter hmm. Lynch or some investor said that um, trading and investing, it's about, a transfer of the impatience to the patient. So if you're very patient and you know what you're doing, you can make a, you can make a lot of money. So um, I think one other, cause we're talking about like big financial people like Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett hates Bitcoin. And I, I don't agree with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. A lot of people praise them. I actually don't like them. Um, so first I'll talk about their view on Bitcoin. And I actually saw like a great photo of kind of, like a quote that I think one of them said during like a, like a press conference, they said Bitcoin is rat poison and someone showed a photo of it. And now I agree with that statement. The reason is that uh, that photo is kind of like depicting rats as big central banks, like Goldman Sachs or, you know, like all all these other big banks that exist are threatened by, Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, because that's the the centralized versus the decentralized. Yeah, they can can control it as opposed to something that's out of their hands. For sure. And I think there was like reports of them, like there was an article about how they, if they could go back in time, they would try to like make Coke even more addictive. But like if you look at how horrible like drinking soda is for like not only like your teeth, but like your like blood sugar levels, like I think there was like, there's like a part of India like, it's not a joke. Like people get diabetes. No, from
3: of course. Around. I'm just, I'm just it's laughing like how we how so, like, shifted from crypto to diabetes type.
0: No, it's, we are talking about Warren. It's, 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 it's very related to Warren Buffett and like kind of how I view him. Like he has made money, but like I, he made a lot of money off of Coca-Cola and like there, like there's like parts of India where they only drink Coca-Cola and like diabetes is rampant there. Like, I think that's, that's horrific. Right. For sure. Um, you you know that you know the company
2: like knows what they are know doing. yeah they know that that's a very real possibility
0: yeah I think and they're, thing- they're
2: probably they're probably thrilled about it because that means more money for them from that specific area
0: yeah does any own so I don't know his whole portfolio I'm gonna I might sound ignorant here but does he own a lot of like other big pharmaceutical companies as well to
2: Actually, be honest, I'm not sure about that. I, I feel like I've definitely heard conspiracies about um, like the rich and like the vaccine and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he did have some holding and that's why some people came up with the yep. theories.
0: Yeah. So I just, re- I looked up Pfizer because Pfizer is like a very popular pharmaceutical pharmaceutical mm-hmm. company. They know they have a lot of drugs. Um, so, yeah, it's here, here's my theory. They he he sells you a bunch of Coca-Cola that he invests in. He gets you sick and then you have to buy Pfizer's drugs. Isn't he a great guy?
1: That's He's a thing. really really He's good this. and his priority <laughs> is not money or anything like that. <laughs> this could be a good time to uh to <laughs> wrap to wrap it.
3: Up. I feel oh, wait, like there there was, there was one uh, other thing <laughs> diabetes I Want to keep going? Boys. There was one other thing I think friend
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, know, I know it's almost two hours, but I promise one last thing. Um, so Brennan asked about my top three picks. Oh, yes, right? I did. So I'm not going to do this percentage wise, but I'll kind of try to break it down. Um, and maybe I'll throw in like a fourth one very quickly. So I would say number one, if you want to be very conservative, max out your 401k and your Roth IRA with VT, which is like a total world index fund. It, Stocks around the whole world. It's like 8,000 companies. I know it sounds really boring and very like risk-adverse. like adverse. It sounds not risky at all, but it has very good returns. It's a Vanguard fund, low cost. It's it's great, right? And you get exposure to countries around the world with it, right? Um, second and third. So the next couple of ones, I, I mean, it really depends on you, but if you want to be safe, just go with VT in terms of stocks. But with uh, blockchain... Again, like if you're going to do this, having multiple wallets, um, I would say Bitcoin is a pretty safe bet. Ethereum is a pretty safe bet. And I, you could also buy some other um, L1s that were mentioned on the podcast, like Polygon, I guess, is like a side chain. And like you could try Solana and Cardano and AVAX and Allegoran and all these other. I think Tezos is another good one. There's probably a bunch of other ones that are out there. So many people trying to compete with Ethereum like EOS. But uh, anyway, so I think, yeah, so Bitcoin... To Ethereum is three, and then I guess a special one that's more kind of risky but I think is very uh, relevant is Chainlink. So, one, <laughs> one thing I do there's two quick things I want to say about Chainlink. Chainlink, <laughs> go into, go into <laughs> I, I like it's like, like chain, one topic
3: and it goes into like 10 other topics, but, but like Chainlink is like the most weird thing.
0: So, like, Chainlink was actually endorsed by the World Economic Forum, they were like, How to prepare for blockchain. <laughs> Which is like this, like globalist, like conspiracy theory organization. They were endorsing Chainlink, and people thought that was very weird. The second thing is actually, I think Eric Schmidt, I think that's how you say his name, the form, the former CEO of Google, or one of them, actually just joined Chainlink as a strategic uh, strategist. Like he's he's actually working at Chainlink. So the fact that they were able to grab talent from Google is pretty impressive. I think that's very bullish for Chainlink.
1: I think it is. I feel like when you, you get into a- the team in those projects matter the most. so Exactly. Yeah.
2: All right. Mark, Brendan, thank <laughs> you boys for coming no on. No problem, bro. Anytime. Uh, I feel like we traversed
1: along a lot of common questions, but also got nice and technical. So if you do know that kind of stuff, maybe it appealed to you. Yeah. <clears throat> thank you, boys. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know where to find us black box podcast, no way in the black Instagram and Twitter, you know, the deal, uh, check out some of our other episodes, get an idea of, you know, what we're bringing to the table of black box. Thank you.
2: Love you. No, in the black. Goodbye.